There's a lot of reasons to shame myself, criticize myself, make myself wrong, but I've chosen a new way to be compassionate and empathetic with myself, even if I never change, even if that part of me is always a little wobbly forever, I will not close myself to her. And that inner capacity to stay open to ourselves literally was exuding outward and men could intuitively sense it. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Mm, One of my favorite topics is intimacy. And the crowd is like, shocked. Is it really one of your favorite topics? Yes. If you've been listening to the show, my loves, you know how much love means to me and connection means to me. And I'm sure that there are other people that I've brought onto the show that feel very similarly. Otherwise, I wouldn't have invited them on. And I know for sure that the conversation I'm going to have today is with another person who loves love just as much as I do. And put so much value and connection and intimacy. And that doesn't necessarily mean all the lovey-dovey stuff, but the real human stuff that is required in order to get to intimacy, like vulnerability. So this convo, I'm sure you will all enjoy so much. Let's get it started. So our guest today, Alana, thank you very much for saying yes to coming on to that sex chick. I'm grateful to be here. And already your voice is so yummy and melodic and we can just drop (laughs) right in right out of the gate. So thank you for having Mm. me. Thank you. Yes. I, it's kind of funny because I have been commented or since I was a kid commented on my voice. And as I started to get a little bit older, which I don't think I've even mentioned this on, on the show or even to one of my guests. And just, just funny that you said that, um, I, used to get asked and teased when I was like a teenager into like young adult womanhood. Uh, if I, that I had the voice of a sex phone operator. (laughs) That's another side gig for you right there. (laughs) Are those even a thing anymore? I'm I'm sure sure they are. I'm sure there are anyway. Yeah. But it always felt so weird and out of place. Like I used to get commented that my name, Alexa was like a stripper name or a porn star name, which funnily enough is one of the most common chosen names, but I probably not anymore since the Amazon echo, but it was, it was that I had a, like a porn star, a stripper name. And then I had the voice of a a sex phone, a phone sex operator. And this was like when I still thought I was going to be like a good girl and go to school and have the degree and do this whole deal. And so little did I know I was kind of getting prepared. (laughs) Universe was guiding you. (laughs) I'm neither of those things, but, but kind of a variation of them. So Anyway, Alana, uh, so I would love just the highlight reel of how you came to love, love the way you do and help people with their intimacy, relationships, dating, all of that. Absolutely. And it ties back to your voice when, um, you know, this from intimacy, the, the listener actually holds more power than the speaker. Can you receive without shutting down, closing off, pushing away? And so when I hear someone's voice. What it does to me is it knows I can sense 
how deep they're listening to me, how deep they are within themselves, how much shadow work have they done? Are they, you know, just operating from the shit up and, and very much in their head, or is their voice literally, you know, sourced in their pussy through an open heart, unapologetic and unattached. So this was not me (laughs) when I, when I first grew up. So yeah, small town Canadian girl. And I was bred to take over my dad's pharmacy, Pratt's pharmacy, the little drugstore with the big heart. So we still talked about the heart in our family, but it was pretty closed. He was, uh, he's dry now, but he was drunk and stoned most of my life growing up. And, uh, I didn't want to take over the pharmacy. I wanted to be a dancer and I'd been a dancer since I was, you know, five years old. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go move to LA. I'm going to hop on uncle Phil's 18 wheeler semi, and I'm going to go down and make it in Hollywood. And so I quit college and I moved to LA and I was, you know, brave enough, talented enough, but, um, didn't have the visa, the work visa. So over to Tokyo, I went, um, and very long story short, moved to New York with first husband, met second husband in LA, but back over to Tokyo, what really began the intimacy was I was a dancer. And the very first show I ever did was in a G string. Oh my God. I'd never worn a G string. I think the next show was topless. Oh my God. I'd never done a topless show. Um, all of these really naughty, uh, things, but I thought, well, no, one's going to know. But what I had no idea is that it would liberate me that I was dancing with women who come from different cultures who don't have the stigmas or the shame or the guilt around their bodies and sexuality. And it's exactly what my being needed to, I learned how to transmute men's attention, just dancing on a stage by the way I would receive maybe there in, in Japanese, you'd say scabby, scabby means they're horny. So you'd receive this scabby energy, but I would watch them on their side of the stage and they would breathe it in like that ancient practice of Tonglen uh, for Tibetan practice, where you, where the monks breathe in the pain and suffering of the world, transmute it and exhale love and compassion. That's what I was watching these women do. They were inhaling a low vibration of seeing, being seen as a piece of meat. Something was happening on the inside because as they exuded it out, their eyelashes, fingernails, and the sway of their hips. It's as if they were saying, thank you for noticing I am a goddess. And I would watch the men in the audience sit up and begin to bow to them. Not on my side of the stage, but I learned and I learned to not be afraid of um, desire and the sacredness of pleasure and the beauty and the divine temple that is my body. And I was so grateful for them as my teachers. So long story short, met husband number one, lived in New York, went to Columbia, art history, um, I was the good broker's wife, you know, the, the rich had the rich husband and I, I, you know, I had it made, but I wasn't free to be deeply intimately connected with. It was more shallow and very lonely, even within a relationship over to LA, we moved, um, mom got sick with cancer and I thought, um, you know, a man is a plan, a man and a baby is a plan. So I don't have to feel this pain. And so I did it again, married somebody when my heart was closed, not open. and got another divorce, 12 year custody battle. He wasn't thrilled with me leaving him and was, he had a close heart. I had a closed heart. So he went for revenge. So it's been quite a journey. Um, beautiful voiced porn star named Alexa, uh, to get all the way to, uh, being an intimacy expert, but it's the most important fundamental key building block of our self-realization. If you ask me our connection with ourself, can I stay open to my wobbly self? 
as much as my magnificent self? Can I love all parts of me equally, stay present, connected with all parts of me? Because when we do, my experience is that we have a direct experience with the divine itself. We have a oneness moment and it allows that safety to be on the inside out, not seeking it from the outside in. And it allows for presence, connection, rapture, deliciousness, ugly cries, you know, everything that happens in deep conscious relationships. So that's, that's the highlight reel. Yeah. Wow. So is it one of those like turn your mess into your message kind of situations? You know, I hear that phrase thrown around every so often. And then I think it really resonates for some and for others, maybe not so much, but, but it's like, uh, you're an, in, you are considered an intimacy expert and have written books on the subject and teach on the subject. But then you look at your history and it's like, these things set you up for that. You know, and I, and I speak with, with people who want to come into this space and who really feel a call because of what they went through. They feel like they can resonate with a lot of people. And so they want to do this work as well. But I experience a lot of people that think, how could they, because of what they went through, like, no one's going to take me seriously. And I think, oh no, no, no. That's exactly why people will, will kneel at your feet and go, please tell me your stories and tell me that it's going to be okay. And tell me that there's still hope on the other side and tell me that I still deserve pleasure and tell me that when I do actually get the intimacy or the love or the sex or the pleasure that I'm worth it, that I'm worthy of it and that, and that it's actually real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I believe I'm here to teach what I'm here to learn. And I do remember the day on my podcast, uh, the first time I interviewed Sheila Kelly, and she was speaking of how she started S Factor. And, and I thought, okay, here, here's the moment. I'm going to lose all my followers. I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm going to live in a ditch. But I said, you know what? Take a deep breath. I said, well, I, I used to be a topless dancer. And I, at that point was still ashamed because I was in this custody battle and they would all, they'd show up in court saying, Oh, she's an intimacy expert. She sleeps with her clients, your honor. She shouldn't be a mother. I mean, they were going for the jugular. So I was really scared to share this and have it end up in court as well. Although I did get confidence at one point and dance on amateur night at cheetahs in Hollywood. <laughs> so I said, Fuck all of you. I'm free. <laughs> but anyways, in that moment, I was scared. Um, and I told her and she said, ah, we must turn your shame into your dangerous beauty. Get your ass in class. Mm. And I've been dancing for now 10 years. Uh, even though I started ballet when I was five years old and all these things into being a showgirl. Um, now uh, this erotic creature dancing is my church. And it got me through uh, the custody battle. And it keeps me connected to my body knows she knows uh, every week. So I'm grateful. It's beautiful. Wow. So S factor is now I went from, I know what this is. It's mentioned here or there to I'm hearing it almost daily for the last, like maybe two weeks, I would say. So it feels like, all right, universe, I'll start snooping around and see when the next, you know, well, actually I I know when the next intensive is to go and And well, I mean, this is an embodiment practice, but it's beyond, you know, just like a traditional kind of like, Oh, come over here and we'll do some embodiment breathing and something or other. This is, I would love if you could share a little bit more about what that mm-hmm. experience is like for our listeners. Yeah. So a shout out to Sheila. Thank you yeah. for showing up in the world. Uh, and a shout out to Christina, her first instructor ever, who is my beloved instructor. Every week of my life, we meet on zoom. Um, now that there's been COVID, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I went to class and they, it's all dark. 
red lights. Everyone's ass looks great in red light, by the way. So change your light bulbs. Um, and we did our quote unquote workout before we learned some tricks before we learned a routine. So this is like the, the simple structure, nothing too, too strange. But as we would, for example, stretch, they would ask us to touch our thigh slowly, then our knee, then our calf, then our ankle, and and stay connected to our body. And what I realized, I, would, I cried every class for the first six months, like every class, because I realized me and my body, we weren't, we weren't best friends. And I used her to get a man's attention or to compete against other women. Or whenever I looked in the mirror, I would always look for what's wrong. Mm-hmm. I did not have a loving relationship with my body and, I, and it hurt my heart. And as I began to reconnect with her, my sexuality was a commodity to get something, safety and approval. It wasn't a gift for me. My body wasn't a pleasure for me. And so as I began to grow more in these classes, I'll, I'll tell you a story in a minute about the, the feedback from men and women after doing this practice for a while. But another moment at the end of the class, after you learn a routine, each woman dances separately and the rest cheer her on and one sits in the chair and you learn to receive praise, celebration. You learn to be brave and vulnerable. You, you learn to know that women can be your sisters, not your competition. And on one of the days when I lost in court, uh, you don't even really ask, you could go a whole year without knowing what somebody does for a living, but you know, their ass and you know, their shoulders and you know, when they're hunched and their heart is hurting, you just sense from this deeper level and the day that I lost in court, I didn't even need to say anything. It's amazing. It still makes me cry all these years later. They put this song on Christina, my teacher. And she said, lie down. And there were two women's hands on me, then four, then six, then eight. And they just said, sob, we've got you. And that's so rare in society to be honored and not fixed and held in this feminine energy. It was Still, it's amazing. This still makes me cry because it touches something that's so rare. And so those women, they don't maybe or they aren't in my life now, but they've transformed my life forever. And they were there for me. And that's a, a strange story when you think about going to learn some pole tricks and walk around in eight inch heels, which we do as well. We slap our ass a lot. Um, we wear really sexy clothes. We are empowered. Um, but it's also safe to go through life. You don't have to talk about it. You could just move your way through it, which is, of course, very Tantra, you know, breath and sound and movement. So it's a very it's a very beautiful practice. Um, Nothing like climbing up a pole, turning upside down, stamping the ceiling with your heels, slapping your ass, sliding down and strutting off like it's very fun and very (laughs) empowering. But uh, I'm super grateful for that. And one little story, Alexa, that I didn't know was a result of this. Uh, I was at another workshop. I won't say whose workshop, but basically a bunch of women were asked to stand on the stage and close their eyes. And the women in the group were asked to close their eyes as well. And the men were asked to vote. And the vote was very simple. Like, who do you want to fuck? Who do you want to have sex with? That's a vote. And then who would you spend the rest of your life with on a desert island? Because she would empower your purpose. So kind of two different flavors of the feminine. And I won in both categories. And apparently that hadn't happened before because most of us lead with our strength. We're either more of that divine mother nurturing energy or were more of the bounce bound bound energy. Um, but somehow I had cultivated both. And when we um, broke it down uh, and the, asked the gentleman why, they said, there's something about 
me that I was having pleasure inside of me for me. I wasn't using it to compete with the other women on the stage. I wasn't using it to manipulate the men in the audience. I was just having pleasure for pleasure's sake. And they wanted to plug in. I was like, curious. And then the other side, they said, well, why, why would you also trust her basically to empower your purpose? And then one man said, I don't know what it is about her. And I said, nothing just stood on the stage. If I lost my job, she wouldn't cut my balls off. I don't know what it is, but she would keep her heart open. I don't understand why, but I know it. And I thought, wow, that's the intimacy work that I do with myself. Mm. There's a lot of reasons to shame myself and criticize myself, make myself wrong, but I've chosen a new way to be compassionate and empathetic with myself. Even if I never change, even if that part of me is always a little wobbly forever, I will not close myself to her. And that inner capacity to stay open to ourselves literally was exuding outward and men could intuitively sense it. So, so dance people do the intimacy work. People <laughs> love the shit out of yourself. And I'm glad I asked that question. Wow. Cause that's, mm. you know, that's not on my list and I'm over here and I'm tearing up too. And I know that oh. feeling, I know the feeling that you described of being like surrounded by people, especially other women that can intuit a woman's pain. I mean, yeah. can intuit people just pain in general, but another woman and to go around her and say, we've got you and I've got you. I mean, I've led, I've led a, I've led my fair share of women's circles. So I, I know that the power and I, especially, I hope that I'm forever in awe mm. at the whole process, especially when it's a woman experiencing it for the first time where so much of what she's been holding against yeah. other women and against the world even can soften her into yeah. herself so that she can actually feel what she's feeling. Yeah. And then also come through the other side. Cause it's like in a breath, you can feel the most intense grief. And this is what we're, what you're talking about. I think in this openness is like in order to live with that heart wide open, it's, it's a life committed to I'm experiencing grief at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon and by six o'clock I'm, I'm arriving in my deepest pleasure. Yeah. You know, and it's in order to feel both ends of the spectrum and not be somewhere closed in the middle, feigning neutrality for yes. the sake of agreeableness and not wanting to be too much, yes. all of that. So it's, it's, it's the, all of it. <laughs> yes. Heart splayed wide open is the name of one of my programs. So I, I'm so with you, sister, yeah. and I wouldn't have it any other way, but I, I wouldn't know that I was capable of living with my heart splayed wide open, had it not been severely crushed. Yeah. Sometimes it's crushed by a betrayal of a, of a, a lover, but sometimes it's from a sister. Sometimes it's from our, our family. I mean, a lot of us go through deep, deep pain. I remember back when I was 16, Alexa, my two friends were supposed to come over to the cabin. We had a cabin on a lake uh, in Canada for the weekend. And the girl arrived and she said, James is dead. And I said, oh, you guys are joking. You guys always joke with me. And then her parents walked up on the top of the stairs and it was real. And I, my cat hadn't died. Like my grandma's hadn't died. Not, nobody died. And my best friend, I was running along the highway. I don't remember even how I got there. Just screaming, no, looking at the top of the trees. If I just kept screaming, no, it wouldn't be true. And there were cars screeching because it was like a two lane highway. And I could hear my dad in the background. And I turned around. And at this point, I mentioned before, my dad is either drunk or stoned. This is not going to go well. Um, I didn't trust him and I didn't know how to breathe. And he walked down the yellow line, grabbed my shoulders. And he said, look, 
If this is it, let's get off. Life is eternal and you're going to see your friend again. And they just took my shoulders and took me off the highway. And I thought, holy shit, my dad is spiritual. What? (laughs) What? There's life beyond death? What? Changed my life forever. And that night, my friend's neighbors took me down to the provincial park to go bike riding to put me in a better mood. And we're coming back. It's a clear blue sky. And we come down the hill where it all opens up and you can see the cabins. And there's a rainbow, two of them, right over my cabin. And I knew it was a sign. And not just a sign that my friend was okay in heaven, but it's like we have a choice in life. One, you can close your heart, be bitter, hate God, never love again, right? It's a choice. It's a valid choice because it hurts. But the other rainbow, the other choice is, okay, I'm so glad we got to share time together. I'm so glad I'm hurting because it means I love. I loved and I'm loving. And I gave love and I received love. And I will learn how to keep my heart open in the face of anything. And that's the 16 years old. That's the path I, I chose. Not easy, but damn, it's worth it. I second that for sure. I mean, yeah. of course, I had experiences that were my own version of the experiences or just something different that I experienced, but definitely in resonance for sure. And I, mm-hmm. I do concur. It's how I have, I'd say my husband in my life. Mm-hmm. There's that's through recognition of a, of a heart closed of emotions diluted and repressed. And then mm-hmm. an, an active decision, I'm going to at all costs to what end I don't know, but I'm going to leave this open. I'm actually going to consciously choose to leave it open and any of the, and and recognize any of the times when I'm holding myself back from based off of fear and, you know, whether that's fear of rejection or fear of what if this actually goes well or whatever the, 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 the fear could be underneath that. And very shortly after I made this, like in my journal conscious decision, I'm going to do this thing. Shortly mm-hmm. after Jordan, my husband came into my life, who was also going through a very similar experience of deciding he was actually writing and um, doing at the time Facebook lives, you know, over four and a half, five years ago, he uh-huh. was doing Facebook lives that were titled heartbroken to heart open, where it's like through heartbreak, mm-hmm. did I realize how closed I was to this experience? And then it's okay now from now until until I can't see anymore. And all of a sudden, maybe my heart's closed again for whatever the reason, but from now until I'm going to choose to, to leave this open. And for sure it has impacted his relationship, you know, you know, being able to be with me, but then our relationships with all of our friends and family, which Mm. was not all, you know, which didn't start easy, especially if friends and family, initial friends and family only knew us being one particular kind of way. And now we're actually going to, you know, lead with our heart heart open, which also means we're willing to have difficult conversations so that we can get to peace making versus peacekeeping. And for so many, uh, I think for him and for myself, for sure. And then many people it's like, but I, I just want to be agreeable and I want to, uh, peace keep and people please and make sure like everyone feels comfortable around me and kind of disregard what I'm actually feeling. So in this process, like leaving those things open more heart on the sleeve scenario, not afraid to feel feelings in front of people or show emotion in front of people, whether that's gr- sadness and crying or if it's elation and joy mm-hmm. at simplicity and at mm-hmm. sensuality. So, um, I feel, feel what you're feeling. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I, I, I resonate for sure. So I am so, I am so curious with all of, with this story, which seems like, you know, I've gotten the sprinkle, I've gotten the highlight reel, you know, so I'm sure that there's so much more in between. 
what, at what point did, would you say it was when you were 16 or after, you know, some of the marriages that there was really truly a turning point mm-hmm. in intimacy and your understanding of intimacy? Such a great question, because I do think we never get there and that I'm always evolving. And then just when I think I got something handled, I'll get another challenge. Um, but the moment I really went, okay, intimacy is the thing. I think it would probably be uh, when my son, so it was 12, 13 years, basically his whole life since he was born. I, I left his father when he was one. He'd only known court. That's it. And when he was about thir- between 13 and 15, I can't even remember exactly the exodus, but he was like, I'm, I'm living with dad. I'm creating peace in my life. You're going to take the high road and uh, relinquish your physical and you know legal custody. And I'm going to have peace. And I know what I'm doing. It wasn't quite as elegant as that, but eventually we got to that elegant conversation of why he did what he did. Um, and so I remember telling my staff, okay, I need a cabin in the middle of nowhere. Thursday through Sunday, I'm going to be having nervous breakdowns. Monday through Wednesday night, I'll be working. Like just figure this out for me because I don't, I don't know how to go on. I had, I'd, um, I'd lost my savings in court battle. I'd lost my house. I was in a quarter of a million dollars of legal debt, but at least I had my son. And then that, so there was nowhere left to go. And so I remember sitting on the deck and it was beautiful. It was outside of Palm Springs in the mountains. So there was mountains as far as you could see in either direction in a frame cabin. And I sat on the deck and I just got to know, oh my God, maybe I'll never see my son again. Maybe everyone will opt out of my, you know, my Facebook list because I'm a fucked up relationship coach or whatever. Maybe I'll die alone. You know, like I wrote them all down and I just felt the feels. And then I put on the either end of the sentences, even though I may die alone, I love and accept myself. Even though I may, whatever, go bankrupt, I love and accept myself. And after doing this day, you know, weekend after weekend, there was a beautiful direct experience where I don't know where my skin ended and the universe began. And I felt so held and I really saw, you know, in I'm a geek, I interview a lot of quantum physicists on my show too, <laughs> the, 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 the dual toroidal field of a Taurus, right? Mm-hmm. You know, infinitely inward, infinitely outward. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, when I'm all the way home with me, I'm simultaneously all the way home with God, the universe, the divine. Wow. This is for realsies. This is embodied. Okay. This is cool shit. So my job is to just love me, all of me, and to keep my heart open to all of me. Even if these humiliated, scared, insecure parts never change. I mean, I'm sure I'll improve. I'm always growing. I'm always learning, but I'm not going to go towards my little Alana anymore and go, okay, chop, chop. We got to, we got to look better. Got to have a good attitude. Got to fix that pain, put a smile on that face. Just so you get the guy, get the money, get, 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 say, it's like, no, I'm just going to throw away the key. I'm just going to go into the dark room inside my heart and I'm going to sit with her forever for eternity. Even if she never changes. I'm going to commune with her. And as I did that, the exhale came and then the oneness came and the, I mean, I still am driven, but that striving in order to energy has really softened and the up under contributory energy is more what comes through me. And even the serving at my sacrifice is also dissolving and I'm, I'm more balanced than ever. And I call that an intimate relationship with myself. And that to me is when I'm like, okay, everybody thinks all I, and I love sex, but I'm not a tantrika. 
intimacy for me includes rapturous sex, but it's, it's the way we talk to our kids. It's even the way we talk to our money, money's energy right there to fuel the way our wings. And so this intimate relationship with all. And as I said, at the beginning of this interview, I can only go as deep as someone can hear me or receive me, which is a direct reflection of the work that they've done. So I do, as I'm sure you do a lot of interviews. So it's really rich to know you, you feel me and you let me in and I can feel it. Um, and you share. So it's, it's luscious. I receive. <laughs> <laughs> I know in my mind, before you said luscious, I was like juicy in my head. I'm like, yeah. okay, luscious is that's, that's a better one. I like that. Like in the, like in the emotion wheel, like if juicy's there, luscious is on the outside ring, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It feels good to be on the other side of someone who is, who is feeling their experiences for sure. Even in hindsight, like, uh, I noticed something that you do that I feel like I do as well as in telling, telling your sh- sharing what you are considered an expert, you know, your expertise, but you're sharing it through storytelling and you're also feeling the story while you say it, like those pieces and parts are inside of you and, and the memories bring up those emotions. And it's, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I've, I've personally, like people hear me tell the story about how my parents separated when I was three and the whole father stuff. And I've done a lot of healing work, whether it be plant medicine or therapy or coaching programs, or, uh, just like mentors, lots of people in my life, I have worked on this particular thing and I feel yeah. at peace with a lot of it you know, in my going into my mid thirties though, every time I tell a certain story, it brings emotion. And I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm just a feely person. And it's like integrating the thing that did happen and not thinking that my level of forgiveness, like, I don't have to forget it. And even if I forgive, it doesn't mean that my emotions go away, that my feelings go away. So I love in you telling your story. It's essentially, as far as I'm amongst many things that you're doing, it feels as though you are giving permission for other people to be able to feel their Mm -hmm. stories, their pain, their love, their, all of the things. Our favorite place to shop for crystal glass and metal toys is Yoni pleasure palace, sacred squirters, cervix serpents, Yoni eggs, prostate massagers, anal plugs and beaded wands, G spot massagers, and something Jordan and I use all the time and even travel with our plush velvety waterproof blanket. Every product feels so special when it comes from YPP. It's probably because of the care that is taken not only in the development of the toy, but in the packing and delivering of the toy. When you collect, because it's definitely a collection of sexy works of art, when you collect a new item, it comes with not only information on how to use it, but to also respect and revere it along with cultivating respect and reverence for your own body and your own sexuality. I can't sing YPP's praises enough. To add to your collection, visit yonipleasurepalace.com and make sure to use the code THATSEXCHICK, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your order. And pretty please, if you share your items on social media, tag me. I'd love to see what you choose and celebrate you. So I would love to hear how a lot of these insights and things that you have been discovering and experiencing and living over the years and eventually turned into you helping others cultivate that intimacy within themselves. Because what I'm gathering is that in order to have really great intimacy with other people in general, not just 
you know, your romantic partnerships, it's, it looks like it's an internal game. Yeah, it definitely is an internal game. Intimacy is an inside job. Uh, when I began to share more of these capacities with others, I was asked to, well, how do you do it? It was an unconscious competence. And so I spent time to create a, a framework. So I've created 10 Alana Pratt method processes. I have Alana Pratt method coaches and I have a partnering app. So I'm, I'm doing my best to create these little videos and audios and trainings so that what I've learned for the past 20 years that I've gathered from all the different, like you plant medicine or different mentors or, or certifications, quantum psychology, like the, the gamut I can put into something where people can integrate because there's no, I don't want to get rid of my, uh, pain it's a gift. And when I try to push it away, it tends to grow. Yeah. So when I lean in, sit in the fire and let that Phoenix rise, it turns into my greatest confidence and my greatest ability to let go and surrender. So, so I, I have a different, well, it's the same point of view, I'm sure that you hold, but in general, it's not about becoming fearless or getting rid of the fear. It's like leaning in to let it fuel the bravery that's dormant within me. That's waiting to awaken that could only awaken if I was afraid, how do I learn how to forgive if I haven't been betrayed, right? How do I learn what true bliss and exquisite joy is of giving birth to my son? And nine months after I saw my dead mother, right? Like it was, it's the two sides of the, the heart. Like it was through watching her dead going, oh my God, she's not asleep. She's really not in there. Oh my God. And I kept breathing. I said, oh, open your heart. Ah. And then within about five or six breaths, she was everywhere. She was everywhere. And I could feel it because I kept my heart open and I've practiced those moments. It's like through pain or through, then I looked at my son nine months later, because that weekend was my sister's wedding. And we just pretended she was on vacation and got drunk and got through the wedding and I got pregnant. And, oh, and then there's this blissful angel looking at me for the first time bliss 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 and then it shifted as well over to oh god how am I going to keep this alive shit like it turned into fear so every moment has everything in it and I think a lot of our suffering is when we clamor for the pleasure and resist the pain but if we realize that in every moment is equal pleasure and pain it just depends on your point of view and that pain is there's a gift in pain and too much pleasure you forget to pay the taxes or you forget to pick up the kids. Or... There's nothing against us. And when we can live this way, to me, that's an open-hearted, intimate way of living. So I love that I get to hold space, be that safe place for someone to share something that they've rejected themselves for their whole life or been rejected. And, and I love them until they do. It's the greatest privilege and honor imaginable. Yeah. I feel that for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel that for sure. So what do you think are some blind spots that people have when it comes to intimacy? And I'm thinking about, you know, ways that you can guide people to deepen in their relationships by having an awareness around some of those blind spots. Yeah. I, I can't see mine either. So I need my coaches just to be clear. Right. I'm like, based but, off of all the people that you've worked with, what are their yeah, blind spots? Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of asking the person like, what are your blind spots? Well, I don't know. Can you, you're, know, you, <laughs> you tell me they're blind to me. <laughs> oh, across the board, there's a complaint that when people come like, where's my person? 
Mm. You know, where's my compatible match? I can't find someone who's emotionally available and that I want to jump their bones. Like, where's my person? And what I find all the time is they're looking outside in to fulfill something. And they'll often say, I attract cheaters. Where are you cheating on yourself? I attract emotionally unavailable partners. Where are you disconnected, emotionally unavailable to yourself? And when they go, oh, and then they, then they'll say, you'll learn a little more and they'll say, you know, I'm really, I'm afraid of rejection. Um, It's not safe to be me. You know, I don't know how to ask for my needs being met. And I said, you see the distance you're creating there with this fear. So your person is that far away. That's why you can't find them because you are so afraid to get hurt that you're distancing yourself from them. But when you turn that around and you do the inner work to integrate the fears, integrate the shame, um, become as unapologetic and fully self-expressed um, and kind um, as you as you can be, that inner union communion, now there's no more of that one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake, mm-hmm. right? You're not meeting people afraid to be and skeptical, afraid to be heard again. You actually are trusting in yourself rather than waiting around to see, are they trustworthy? Mm-hmm. You know, I got my back no matter what. They can reject me all they want. I will not reject myself. So it's always an inside game. Whatever they are complaining about on the outside is actually happening on the inside. And when that can be owned without judgment, which is another thing, you know, to shame the shame is just going to make you doubly (laughs) suffering, but to go, oh, and have that kindness towards that little you come here. You have every right to feel this way. I get it. And then that integration occurs. Then there's no more separation on the outside. And they tend to walk right into their, their ideal partner, or at least their next ideal partner for the next level of their evolution. I like that end frame there. The next, the next perfect partner for the next thing. Yeah. 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 So for those people who are hearing that, maybe it's like the first time that they're hearing it phrased that way, or I actually just want to double click on something that you said, because I think a lot of, I follow everything that you are saying. And then I put myself into the the position of maybe someone who this is the first episode of the show that they're listening, or they're really not that deep into personal development. And the idea that you could say to someone, well, I attracted, but I, I just keep attracting people who cheat. And then you say, well, how are you cheating yourself? What if they go, I don't understand. Right. Right. So if you were to imagine an inner you that you dialogue with that shows up and says, I'm really scared. I don't want to go out with that person. I'm, I'm having a vagina permakegel moment. I know he's hot and I know he's rich and all the red, but my vagina doesn't like him. And it pipes up as a physical body sensation. It pipes up as an emotion. It pipes up as a thought as it pipes up this voice, but you, you're like, Oh, screw you. I'm, I'm not committed to you. I'm not um, listening to you. I'm not um, honoring you. I'm not respecting you. So you cheat on that part of you. And you go off and you go have a date with them. So it's a form of inner cheating on your own values, your own wisdom, your own truth. We could use the word ghosting. If you attract ghosters, where are you ghosting on yourself? Same idea. You know, you listen to yourself Monday, but on Thursday, when you're having a, a, a breakdown, you went on Facebook and drank a bottle of wine. You, you ghosted that voice that needs to be heard, honored and listened to so that you can be aligned with your soul and your heart's wisdom on the inside. So this is a way we cheat, ghost, who we can emasculate our inner um, masculine energy because we all have masculine and feminine energy within ourselves. That drive to show up and speak up and serve, you can emasculate yourself by saying, you'll 
you'll, you're not worthy of that. You'll screw it up. Don't even, that's the way we speak and emasculate ourselves. Oh, if, if somebody is attracting a partner who emasculates them, where do you emasculate, criticize yourself? It sucks to be this responsible and own your stuff. But believe me, when my second husband did something really nasty, which I won't say what he did. And I said to my coach, he's a lying, conniving fuckhead. And he's like, I'm sure he is, but where are you? I'm like, fuck off. Just, can I just be upset for a second, please? And he's like, sure. <laughs> let me know when you're done. Because if you don't integrate, this is going to happen again. And he goes, okay. I go, fine. He's like, okay, kindergarten, <laughs> kindergarten, kindergarten. Where are you a lying, conniving fuckhead to yourself? And he's rigorous, physical, mental, spiritual, vocational, financial, social, romantic, parental, sexual, all areas. And so I did my homework and I could say, oh, I could see where I lied to myself, where I was conniving to myself. Um, He said, okay, that's kindergarten. Now, PhD, where are you doing that to others in each of those nine areas? And I'm like, no, I'm holier than thou. I'm a life coach. I'm an intimacy expert. I am. No, he's like, even according to their point of view. And I was like, oh my God, I said I'd marry him and I left him. I humiliated him publicly from his point of view with a closed heart, a wounded heart. I'm a lying, conniving fuckhead. Okay. That doesn't condone what he just did, but it sure took the trigger away and opened up compassion. Okay. I get it. I'm no better than him. He is me. I am him and we are one. Okay. Wow. So it, it, it essentially kind of rings out some of the tension, like you said, and almost replace it, not necessarily the tension, but there's some things that you would maybe perceived as one emotion or one thing that you're feeling and then made some space for compassion and maybe even compassion grew. And then, yeah, that's big shit. Yeah. The science of it is that we can't create on top of, of an emotional charge or trigger or trauma. We go into our fight or flight or freeze in our brain. We can't think creatively. Our heart is closed. So we can't hear our intuition, which makes us feel unsafe and not being able to trust ourselves or others. And it's just a shit show. And so when you integrate these emotional charges, it's not like you don't hurt, but you don't react. You can respond and have the best of your brain, the best of your intuition and feel at peace in your skin and empowered to handle whatever life throws you. And then every so often you get a little badass and sexy about it. And you're like, what you got today? Penetrate me universe. What you got? Right. And you can have <laughs> I some can fun. Take it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. Okay. So it, it sounds as though a lot of the work that you do, which it, it sounds though that y'all, and I say y'all, because you have people who are also coaching and uh, leveraging your methodologies and your life experiences and the, then the reorganization of those life experiences. And, oh my gosh, I found a plan, <laughs> which I love. I love a great methodology over here. Um, so, so that means working with lots of different types of people, but it sounds like there's a nice chunk of people that come to you that are seeking partnership. Yeah. 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 There's, I work with single men, single women and couples who want to improve their relationship. And we're all on either group calls or retreats together because there's something to learn from everybody's way of partnering with themselves and partnering with others. So I love that someone can occasionally people meet within my program as well and fall in love, but they fall in love with these aspects of themselves in a safe environment where anything goes and it's uh, zero judgment and unconditional love. And we all evolve together. And, and then they run into their perfect person 
maybe on the, literally on the airplane home from the retreat, like it can happen that fast, uh, or within the program or on another app or at the grocery store or where, or wherever. And maybe about 20% of the couples that come to me, I support them in consciously uncoupling when they end the blame and they see the sacred contract is complete and they can do so with gratitude and kindness and care. Uh, and that's an honor and privilege, especially if there's kids involved, um, so that they can see that mom and dad are now even happier apart and they speak with respect about one another. So that's a beautiful gift. And about 80% of the time, it's, it's just so fun to blame the other, but they're just a catalyst for our own shit. So to be able to really, I do couples counseling, uh, a session for her, a session for him, a couple session, and then rinse and repeat over and over. So they, they don't always need to share everything with each other when they, when they heal some of those deep, deep wounds. And when they come back together, there's such a, as you said, compassion and gratitude. And then seeing the person that annoyed the shit out of you as your master spiritual teacher, what? It's a, it's a real yeah game changer. And that's beautiful. So that's why I created Heartmates, this partnering app, because my clients kept complaining, you know, as soon as it's time to have that deep, rich, like you and Jordan, heart open. No, I'm leaving my heart open and I'll have uncomfortable conversations. You're rare in general, my clients experience, as soon as they get to that first tough conversation, they're ditched, they're ghosted, they're alone. And they feel even worse because they were brave enough to open. And it hurts even more when your heart is all the way open. So this is where can I find these people? And I said, I don't know. I'll create it. I'll create it. So Heartmates is, we call it a partnering app because we're about becoming the one to find the one to thrive with the one. And so it goes from heartmates to singles and to heartmates for couples. And it has an intimacy training to it. And it has live weekly conscious connection calls where you practice meaningfully connecting, vulnerably sharing and profoundly listening. And the dating portion of the app is in still in development. And so maybe a trip to India soon will ensue and we'll get that final piece there. I'm really proud to create a safe place where everyone's doing the work. Everyone is committed to lifelong growth and, and that we're, we're here to, to connect with our fellow humanity before we're trying to fill that void with finding the one. So I'm finally enough, finally safe, finally, finally, you know, filling up from the inside out first. I do know that. I do know that very well, which was for sure something that I took into, into my relationship with my husband now is I'm not going to pretend like all of the things that I didn't just see over multiple relationships, many years of life, so much travel and growth. I'm not going to yeah. pretend that if I just find the right person, all of those patterns and things that I've seen are just going to poof disappear. Like it's, it's silly to think that it's silly to even just, how did I even get that in my operating system to begin with? Yes. You know, probably Disney, which my family is very into Disney and the Prince Charming and the, all of that. And so maybe so, you know, I was a Disney kid. So I, I'm, I'm not sure, but when we got together, it was while we were, we made this commitment that we would have difficult conversations quickly, um, mm. like early on and frequently. Yes. So nice. it wasn't that we were actually going through a difficult thing. It was, let's talk about this thing is probably going to happen. Yeah. Slash definitely going to happen at some point in our journey. So let's talk while we're in love, while we're in this, you know, the limerence phase, I can only see you and you're my everything. And we're going, yeah. we're going to be each other's forever kind of scenario. Let's also yeah. talk about when we might 
want to have, like when we're attracted to somebody else, right. let's talk about how, like, how will we show up? Yeah. We don't know that experience. We don't have an embodied experience with this person yet, but I've had other experiences where that went in a way that that unfolded in a way I will never stand for again. So if I at least know that, what yes. do I want? How do I want to approach that subject? And then we haven't lost our, our parents. You know, our parents are also alive now and neither of us have gone through really deep grief. And so how we have no idea how that's going to unfold for, for us. Though we can have a conversation about how, how, what will we do when this arises? And I know that this might change in the moment, but let's have a conversation about that. And like just all the, so much down the, down the list of, okay, well, what about this subject now that, and we just essentially considered it reverse engineering, you know, and, and playing more offense instead of defense, you know, where we at least have an idea of all the things that are going, that are inevitable instead of just ignoring and thinking, well, we're skipping into la la land, hands held. We, we know we love each other and we just keep, it just keeps showing up over and over again as our relationship continues to unfold. Yeah. That was a great idea. Those Mm -hmm. things were great ideas. You know, like some people were like, I don't understand why you're talking about opening your relationship and this, if you have no intention of doing that, I'm like, no, we, we don't want to have an open relationship or where we're not considering polyamory right now, though, what I don't want to have happen is that we've moved into our relationship and I'm unfulfilled in a category and he's not fulfilled in a category or one of us is unfulfilled and the other one is indifferent. And so we wind up making this decision that the one that is unfulfilled should just go and fulfill it somewhere else instead of doing the deep work required to understand what is that unfulfillment and why are we not meeting each other? And there's so many other conversations that get to have that have nothing to do with opening a relationship that is required in our relationship required to have in order for us to actually entertain that. And at the time that we entertain this big life changing relationship changing subject, we have had a ton of other conversations and we can approach that difficult thing with excitement enthusiasm, authenticity, it's in alignment, respect. Mm -hmm. We understand each other. There's so much more to it than, well, maybe we should just go do this thing, you know? So I'm hoping Mm. that in this convo too, like people are realizing that like in, in your app and in your programs and things, like it's Mm. so much more than let me just, you know, in order to have to become the one to find the one, but becoming the one doesn't just stop when you have the one. No, no, the curriculum continues. Yes, and these conversations, fist bump for you, are brilliant, brilliant. And that's literally what we built in with these conscious connection calls is you you contemplate, you speak about these really difficult conversations ahead of time, sex, money, opening your marriage, parents, kids, all the rest of it. And you you say them in a way where when one person speaks, the other one just says, thank you which doesn't even mean you agree. It just means I heard you and I understand. And if you don't understand, you ask for clarity, but it's not about getting to the end. Somebody wins, somebody loses. It's about deepening understanding. And curiously, when you're heard that way, that deeply, what comes out of your mouth is deep truth right out of the gate because you don't have to keep saying it just so that they finally hear you. And sometimes you hear things within yourself that you didn't even know were in there because of the quality of that non-judgmental listening. And you can have these new awarenesses uh, arise that create miracles in your relationship. But if you don't have that practice, which you're so brilliant to have, yeah, you wait, it grows. 
and then you it blows. But couples who do this deep work, they grow together. They they stay and thrive together. Yeah, yeah. So the people who are listening to the show that have that are desiring to call in their person, they're in yes. that process of you know figuring out intimacy with themselves. They're growing, they're on a path, you know, cause I, I have a number of people that, that come to me, like, you know, even just here in Austin that are like confused by the whole dating thing. Like they're on a path, they're committed to personal growth. They're being very discerning. They're, they're going to the sexy classes so that they can harness their femininity and lean into that. But they're also like, they have their own businesses. They, they look like complete packages, but they are still very confused with mm-hmm why is this dating landscape? Like I'm dealing with wishy-washy men. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, that can't honor their commitments, but th- those people are some of the most, like they have, they're very organized, but they're also like great, great people. And, mm-hmm. and even I'm slightly baffled. I don't know. You, you look like all things considered, you look like you got a lot going on and you look like, you know, your value and your worth. And so just navigating dating better so that they can actually be met. I don't know if, if there's anything that you've discovered over working with um, a number of singles. They're like, if they're listening to the show right now, they're like, yeah, what Alexis said, what do you do? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> Another reason why I created a community where you have people that show up and do the work. They don't just look good on the outside. They're actually willing to be both vulnerable roll up their sleeves, sit in the fire and keep growing so that the pot is of a higher consciousness and vibration. So that's one thing. Certainly hang out with people that do the work, not just talk the talk. But the second thing, and this was something before Barbara Marks Hubbard passed, I was just called to call into the, my girlfriend's radio show because uh, she was being interviewed. And I said, Barbara, I can have communion with myself. I can have communion with the divine, but shit, if I can find the one. And she's like, oh, you're stuck in soulmate. It's time for you to move to Wholemate. And I, at the time, didn't know what she was referring to. And I said, tell me more. And she's like, you're not half and half equals one. She goes, that was marriage number one and marriage number two for you. And it was great because you were shown your shadow. You did the work, you grew and you, you evolved and you moved on. She said, Wholemate relationships are two whole people, not perfect, but two whole people who come together and literally awaken dormant qualities within one another not just for themselves and for the relationship, but for humanity. She said, they're not facing each other. They're facing out, they're facing outward. And it's not one and one is two. It's one and one is infinity. And she said, so as you call this person in, you must call this higher level person in, not just your other half. No, you're, you're whole. And who would you need to be to awaken their dormant qualities? Who are you naturally? So you don't have to like pretzel yourself into somebody you're not. That would just be divine for them. And surrender, who would they be for you? Who could you open and receive? And it's even about dreaming bigger than we've ever dreamed before. Like who could really have my back and awaken something in me so that we could be better together? So I would simply say, go take the next level of depth of who you could be for another and who they could be for you. Choose it, choose it. And then show up as if it's done and start practicing right away feeling the feels that they're already there. Any, this is another piece that's very important. When we're on the personal growth path, 211 degrees isn't boiling, 212 is. And it's not very far. So it can often be very subtle. 
and needing someone who can sense energy, a really great mentor or counselor that can go every time you you're good. And then you say that, that thing, what's that and hold the space. And often tears will come up because it's a blind spot and a shadow, but it's often very small to go to really need someone. I tried so hard not to be needy anymore, but I'm going to need to need someone. And I don't know how to do that. There it is. Let's work on that. Or what if I open all the way and they die? I don't know if I could really. Okay, well, we're going to go through that. You know, it's the next higher level of blocks or wobblies or fears that are beautiful. Um, Yeah. And then lastly, the science of it. And everyone, I'm sure listening to this or most people know this. The universe doesn't. It's not that the universe doesn't care like as a mean thing, but it just can't respond to anything other than a vibration. That's just how it works. So if you give out the feeling of, I hope, I wish, I want, I need, I long, I yearn, it gives you back yearning, hoping, wanting, wishing. So if you put out the feeling and like in a meditation once a day, ah, they're here. Ah, I can feel their hand on my cheek. Ah, I wake up and they've got my back or... I get a text from them and there's no more longing or hoping they're there. And even the feelings of God, they're annoying. Or you can even have all the funny feelings that you'll have of being in a relationship. Damn it. They left the toilet seat up. Shit. God, our makeup glitter is all over the bathroom counter. Shit. Like all the things feel they're actually here because it could just be that one dimension, that one degree away from hoping, longing to receiving and having that will allow you to move right into their arms, walk right into them. So beautiful. (laughs) So sweet. Yeah. And I love the balance of do actual work in quotes on yourself while also being with the, I'm calling this in, I'm feeling it as though it is already in my life, you know, cause I think sometimes with this like law of attraction manifestation, you know, they're yeah. kind of like buzzwords, um, in the personal development or spiritual community, I'll just manifest it by like sitting on a cushion in a room and thinking about yeah. the thing without doing the work, the other yeah. inspired action that comes from the sitting being yeah. with the thing. And so I like the, the balance here where there's actual actionable things for people to do. And work that they can be leaning into more and more. And this work is for everyone. Like you were talking about couples that you work with and then also singles for sure. But just every type of person can get better at loving yeah. themselves. Yes. Oh, beautifully said. And like we said about the shadow parts, as well as the parts that we're very proud of. Um, another exercise I give, and I have a, a process around this is important to face the worst case scenario because just one little bit of resistance is putting that energy out to the universe in the opposite direction. So be willing, not every single day, but be willing to go through a deep process where you face, what if I never meet him or her? And am I just not going to live fully? Am I just going to hate on life and myself? Can I be fulfilled now, even though I haven't met them yet? And not in the fantasy land of pretending they're here, like I said, with the vibration before, but really Look yourself in the mirror, sit in your meditation, go into nature for the weekend. If you meet them for a week and they die, is it still worth it? What if you never meet them, right? It's important to face those feelings so that we don't, what you resist persists, but if you can be with it, and I'm not saying like it, I'm not saying prefer it, I'm not saying choose it, but can you be with your worst case scenario? Then you're not attached. 
because attachment pushes something away very quickly. So it just allows you to be present and savor the day and, uh, and not waste all these days waiting when you could be sucking the marrow out of life right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if Jordan heard that, he would go, come on. He says that in reference to everything. He says, come on. Like when he agrees to it, it's like his uh-huh. like agree bell going off. Yeah. Sucking the marrow out of life. I'm going to have to tell him that you said that. <laughs> He'd like that one. Uh, Alana, thank you mm. for coming and sharing your stories and your wisdom. Mm. Yeah, I can feel it. You know, and I hope that people who are listening can feel that too, can feel the realness of life lived and, and the inspiration of you can carry on, whether that's you're in partnership already, or you are looking for a partnership, understanding that the partnership within oneself is the best place to turn. If we don't know where to go, but we know we want more, go, go inside and see what's there. And then each next step might feel scary good news is you don't have to take those steps alone because people like you and myself yeah. and other incredible educators in this space are here to shine a light. And that's to whatever degree you want to have assistance on your journey. You know, you can get the free pamphlet or you can have us come take a walk next to you, or you can get in our car. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Go over for dinner. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. So, well, thank you again. Is there anything else that you would like to share that feels real um, or present on your heart that you would like to share with the audience before we say goodbye? Mm, thank you. Yeah. Oh, Muffin is here to say hello. This is my cat. She kitty. rarely doesn't make a cameo appearance in an interview, oh. but um, I would like to say, just come to my world and let me love you. So my site is alanapratt.com. There's tons of free resources wonderful podcast, intimate conversations, a lot of videos on my YouTube channel, over 5 million views. So lots of good resources there to support you. Um, And if you feel that resonance, sign up for an, we call it an intimacy blind spot breakthrough call. And it's really beautiful value to go, oh, that's actually what's going on because none of us can see our blind spots, including myself. So that's a wonderful way we can serve you and contribute to your relationship journey. And then lastly, I would say, When you go to bed tonight, be sure to take a moment to put a hand on the heart, a hand on your belly or your yoni or your balls, um, and just check in with your sweet body's wisdom, your sweet soul, and just practice that. Hey, is there anything I haven't slowed down to hear you say? I'm listening. I got you. I love you. Um, That is a simple intimacy practice that I like to begin and end my day with, uh, because very rarely am I not doing something, serving something, putting out some fire. And it's important that I take that time to slow down. So it's something I still do this very day. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I'm going to do that tonight too. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm going to close the Zoom screen. I'm going to go do this now. (laughs) So thank you for that gift. Good. Yeah. Let me know what you hear. And I look forward to having you, um, featuring you in my world as well. And thank you for the privilege and honor of this deep, delicious conversation. Honored as well. Thank you again. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.